Welcome to Season 4, Episode 36 of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Derek Rusnick, and I am your humble host for this episode as we are down to the Elite Eight in the NFL playoffs. I am joined, as always, by the founder with the founder of Brody Sports Talk, and that's Caleb Walgren. Caleb, how are you doing? How are you feeling? So, I'm doing okay. Uh, I do want to make sure that we are clear. I was not missing last week because uh, the Packers got eliminated from playoff con- contention. But, uh, whew, man, it's been a week dealing with a lot of family stuff. I'm personally feeling a little under the weather, but I want to make sure to show up. It's the playoffs. This is the time where there's some of the most fun stuff to talk about in football. And I'm very excited to do that here with my Brody, Derek, tonight. Yeah, so as uh, as people are saying, Caleb just put the brace on it. And that, of course, he should go play in a playoff game um, as it as we, we don't have any kind of recent history of why you should just throw a brace on a knee injury and uh, it will not affect your career. Uh, thanks for pointing that out, Robert Griffin III. Uh, so we, of course, are talking about Super Wild Card Weekend. And uh, before we move on, anything else, my favorite thing that Caleb does is give us a sports fact this day in sports history. So, Caleb, what happened on this day? So on this day, January 18th, 2015, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Green Bay Packers 28 to 22 in overtime to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, this game personally is one that I find a lot of pain from. The Packers had this one. Uh, Russell Wilson arguably had his worst performance before ever becoming a Bronco in this game, where we had uh, one touchdown and four interceptions. It, it was it was not a good game for him. Uh, the Packers had a lot of short field goals in that game. Uh, I b- believe this game is the reason why Mike McCarthy calls games so much more aggressively now than he did eight years ago. It that's, still hurts. That's true. It still yeah. hurts. But, uh, you know, lots of good players in that game. Mason Crosby, Randall Cobb, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, and a lot of them are still active. So This is true. I mean, we were talking about seven years ago uh, for an NFC Championship game, and uh, just a little bit uh, a little bit crazy that uh, those guys are still in the league and still doing things. And, you know, a quarterback for the, uh, for the Seattle Seahawks in that game, still an amazing player, still worth... <clears throat> a lot of money. Uh, so let's uh, let's move on. And as uh, as all of us were on assignment last week, um, we we had uh, Sean who was celebrating a little too much that uh, the Fly Eagles fly uh, and all that. Caleb, he's already talked about that he was on assignment for some some personal things. And me, well, I was in tears because the Broncos. Are the Broncos. Um, We'll talk about them here in just a little bit um, later on. But as uh, as we do, uh, we are we are wrapping up our projections um, for this uh, 2022-2023 season. And we've come to the last couple of teams here. So, Caleb, I want you to help us out. Tell us the last couple of. Uh, correct and incorrect teams that we had on our list here um, who just pushed above or just cut below on the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to start with the bad news for us. We both had the Panthers under six and a half wins. It sure looked like that was going to be the case when Matt Rule got fired earlier in the year. But they fought. They got their seventh win in week 18. Kudos to... Uh, Mr. Wilkes, I hope that he gets the head coaching job, but I'm not necessarily banking on it. But the Panthers, uh, we didn't see the 7-10 and 10 season coming from them. 
some that we got half right. So uh, I'll I'll take the credit first. I the Patriots line was eight and a half. We both kind of waffled uh, because we didn't like that number. We knew that number was too close and too accurate. I went with the under. They ended up with eight. Derek took the over. Tomato, tomato. The one that Derek got right is he had the over on the commanders at seven and a half, and I had the under. The commanders took it down to the wire uh, and then somehow smoked the Cowboys in week 18. Uh, makes you wonder if they realize that Sam Howell was able to play before the final week of the season. Uh, kind of looked like a different team, but Derek got the commanders over correct. And if I it not. wasn't for week 18, I would have got that one wrong, but uh, I'll take it. Um, one, some that we both got right. Uh, Chargers going under 10 and a half wins. Uh, Probably feels extra good to Derek because it was under 10 and a half with a loss to the Broncos in week 18. So we'll take that as a victory for both of us. And the Dolphins in their uh, thrilling 11 to 6 contest over the New York Jets uh, got their ninth win of the season. And so they went over eight and a half. And we both got that right. It took you long enough, Miami. I believe you were eight and three and you... You made us hold our breath on that one a little bit, and I would rather not do that again next year. Please stop your streakiness at some point, Miami. Yeah, I mean, uh, one, get your quarterback situation under uh, under guard there and uh, get well to a tag of Aloha because uh, I think he had three concussions in a two-week span. So, I mean... He's a great quarterback, but I'm not sure his his health is going to be there uh, long term. Uh, the Chargers, you know, even giving them uh, four interceptions and spotting them a 27-point lead, they still didn't get above the 10 wins even with a playoff game um, to which they were uh, they they should have won that game, but uh, we'll talk about that here probably just just a few minutes on how. Uh, how the last week's games uh, shuffled out. Um, yeah, that's a uh, that's a very interesting game on on how the Jaguars moved on in the uh, in the playoffs. So uh, let's move on to a couple of weeks back on our picks. So each of us had three games that we picked, and each of us got one game right. Uh, I am going to to hop on here first and talk about my Broncos. Um, as Caleb alluded to just a minute ago, the Chargers going to the Broncos stadium. I had the over 40 points in that game. The Broncos sco- scored 31 on their own. The Chargers had 28. And so I got a win on my on my over. Altogether, 58 points were scored there. And uh, moving over to the Packers, um, we had Lions at the Packers, uh, minus four and a half, and looks like Caleb took the Packers in that game. It was a win, and you're in for the Packers, and unfortunately, Packers fell 16 versus the Lions 20. So the Packers not only didn't win, they also didn't cover, and so um, they did not cross that, uh, that boundary there, and Caleb took the L. Uh, any thoughts on... That particular game uh, on the Lions at the Packers, any kudos to the Lions or any uh, bad thoughts that you want to get out onto the air for the Packers? Um, the Lions are your 2023 NFC North champions. I'm just going to go ahead and call it now. The Vikings were too lopsided, and I think the Lions are going to come back with this energy that they've got this back half of the season and win the division next year. Also, I know he's a former Packer, but I've got to give a lot of love and credit to Jamal Williams. I don't know if you all saw him in his post-game speech. He went from, like, super teary and emotional to possibly slightly cliche, like, in a hurry. Uh, Like... That guy wears his heart on his sleeve, and I love it. 
you usually find him dancing everywhere he goes. He knows that he is blessed to be in the NFL and he has a fabulous life. And while I didn't want to lose, I was happy to see Jamal Williams do well in that game. A very you're taking that 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 lump uh, really well there, Caleb. Um, I would have been very upset if if I had a winning in situation. And uh, clearly, Caleb is classier than I am. But I want to go back over to another game um, that is not in the NFL. We uh, did some Brody bets, some high fives and handshakes on the national championship game. This was Texas Christian University uh, versus Georgia University. And the over-under for the game, that, that number is 62 and a half. And Caleb smartly took the over, thinking that uh, the TCU had a good offense. Georgia had a pretty decent defense with a um, – Georgia has a, a quarterback that's uh, on AARP. He's super-duper old for a college player. Um, but that line being 62 and a half, he uh, – Got there by by a good ten points. Uh, the total number of points scored in the game was seventy two. Great job, a really high scoring national championship game. Oh wait, uh, Georgia scored sixty five of those points. Um, so Georgia by itself um, gave you the over, and uh, yeah, that was a, a quite a fun game. On my end, I thought that TCU was going to keep it close, as they have all year with multiple teams, um, even my Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, they were down by 14 late in that game, and they still won it. So I had TCU plus 12 and a half. I thought they would keep it at a, a one-score game or whatnot. But as I just said, uh, Georgia um, covered their side, 65 to TCU 7. Um, any Parting words for the college football season there, Caleb. Um, I'm I'm going to say I'm glad I took the over because it was one of the only reasons to watch the game in the third and fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, it was it was not pretty. Um, Georgia back to back. Can they do the three peat? Uh, it has not happened in college football in a long time. I'm curious. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, they reset. I mean, they they lost like I think it was 25 players. I mean, it had to be in the mid 20s uh, to the draft last year, and a good portion of their starters. And yet they came back and just were never really. Um, a, no one was really a threat to them all season long. They they kind of just stomped through everybody. I mean, they had some some games that were closer than others and all that kind of stuff. But you always felt. Georgia was going to pull it out in the end. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, Stetson Bennett is moving on. I mean, he is uh, finally out of out of eligibility. So we're going to have a, a new quarterback. But Georgia just resets um, every single year. Um, Alabama is going to have a, a new quarterback next year because uh, Bryce Young is in the, the draft. Uh, I believe Head, uh, Hooker from uh, Tennessee is probably going to the draft. I haven't seen uh, official confirmation. So, I mean, the SEC is going to be up there um, with some some fresh faces and some uh, quarterbacks. Maybe Lane Kiffin uh, puts it together, and he puts together an SEC championship team at Old Miss. Who knows? We'll see what the what the SEC does next year. And then our final wild card uh, that we had for week 18, um, we just talked about it a minute ago. Uh, for me, was I had the Cowboys minus five and a half at the Washington Commanders. And the Commanders won that game 26 to 6. Caleb said the Commanders blew out the, uh, the Cowboys. And boy, how did they did. And... Um, this last week we had the Cowboys and the Buccaneers game, and I didn't know what to expect from that game after the Commanders game, but the Cowboys took care of business and they looked a lot better than they did in that Washington game. So by product of the uh, mathematics, I'm going to say the Washington Commanders are better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's, uh, that's math, that's logical, and I can show you the proof. Uh, on Caleb's final wild card, 
it was a battle for the AFC South. Winner is the AFC champion, AFC South champion, and goes to the playoffs. It was the Titans versus the Jaguars, and he had the Jaguars minus six. Um, the Jaguars scored 20, Titans had 16, and so the Jaguars didn't cover the six, but they still won and still moved on to the playoffs. So uh, a really great pick by Caleb. I, uh, I kind of doubted him on that one, as I think the Jaguars are just a, a year or two too early on on being good. And uh, they, they showed me something that I didn't see before. Caleb, uh, what are your thoughts on that that wild card game that you picked, the Titans versus the Jaguars? I mean, the Jaguars sure made it look hard. Um, that was that Saturday night game. I was watching, and then uh, the defense for the Jaguars, they stepped up. The defense was why they won the game. Yeah. Um, everyone was talking about Trevor Lawrence because uh, it's that, or you're talking about Derrick Henry. Like, <laughs> I, the, the, maybe you could talk about Christian Kirk if you. Uh, are a big fan of wide receivers that reset the market. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everyone was like, it's all Trevor. And I even saw people that week saying, oh, I think the Titans are going to get this and they're going to win the division. And I saw people this past week saying the Chargers were going to beat them. I feel like the Jaguars are just being doubted on when they have a really good coach and I at least think Trevor Lawrence has improved a lot in year two. Uh, it sure helps to have an NFL head coach when you're in the NFL. Well, and and really, Trevor Lawrence, I, I'm going to second second uh, that one on having an NFL head coach when you're in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence does not say die. You know, he had this. Uh, he threw four interceptions in the first half versus the Chargers. And then came back and uh, won the game, moved the uh, the Jaguars down the field for that game-winning field goal, and uh, it really was, um, you know, sometimes okay, I'm going to throw four interceptions in a playoff game. We're going to lose. Um, I'm just going to go head my he- hang my head in shame. You know, let's make this look at least presentable. He didn't do that. He came out and was still slinging it around. Um, and, and was was playing. So, you know, maybe he just has that that next level um, in him. And you know, I'm proud of the Jaguars. I uh, I think they uh, they certainly have a, a bright future. So we have uh, we've talked about the past. Let's talk about the future of the NFL. So. The, the top 23 draft picks have been decided. The remaining nine are going to have to be decided based upon the, uh, the Super Bowl and the playoffs the rest of the way. Uh, but let's just talk about the top five. So our top five um, of the draft, number one pick is going to be the Chicago Bears. Number two is going to be the Houston Texans. Number three is the Arizona Cardinals. Four is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. And number five, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, by way of the Denver Broncos. So, uh, I want to play a little game, as should they, should the this team trade the pick or take the pick? And if they take the pick, who are who, who's the early speculation on who they should pick. So I'm just going to hop on the Bears train here. And I think that the Bears should take the number one overall pick because you really can't trade it. Because if you trade it and someone else does well with with the piece that you, uh, with the player that you draft there, then everyone's just going to look at, the, at Chicago um, as they're dumb or something like that. So the Bears need to keep the pick. And they need to get a defining piece. Now, I think they have their their quarterback of the future. I think Fields is a, a really good quarterback. I don't think there's anyone better than him in the, the draft currently. Everyone likes Bryce Young and Will Levis. 
maybe even some CJ Stroud. Um, but I think with as much, I mean, if you, if you, re, if you build an offense around him, you're going to get a lot of production. And so they need to go out here and get a defensive piece that's going to change things. So that's like an edge rusher, defensive lineman, um, you know, maybe even an offensive lineman. Um, you know me, I like to, to jump in the trenches. Um, and really shore up that that offensive line for Justin Fields and you know give them the give them what they need. So I think we're looking at edge rusher. I think you're looking at, at defensive linemen. Uh, so I think they keep keep that pick. Caleb, what do you think? Um, I do think in general, like Will Anderson, the kid from Alabama, or Jalen Carter, the D lineman from. Um, Georgia, both of yep. those guys are going to be solid locks for NFL players. Like yep. people are looking at them. They know what to expect from them. I think they're going to trade down though. I think that in general, really? when you have a quarterback and you have the Texans there too, who probably want a quarterback, you can demand a nice penny for that top pick. So just to throw it out there, Derek, I was looking up, and here's a trade that I saw. Okay. So they trade their first, second, and fourth this year and a first and second next year to move up to Chicago. I'll reveal the team in a second. I just want to know okay. if, what you think about that. Okay, so get, go ahead and give this a little bit slower to me. Okay. So their first this year. First, second, and fourth in 2023. Okay. And then and next year? A first and second next year. First and second. Ooh, that's a lot for for a quarterback. What? Uh, who? Which? Who is this team? The Indianapolis Colts, who have been trading for quarterbacks oh. each of the last couple of years. Plus, if the Colts do this, they get it in front of their divisional opponent, Houston Texans, uh-huh. to take who they think is the number one quarterback and make sure the number one quarterback in this draft does not play against them twice a year. Uh-huh. Okay. I, th- I think if you can get that, I think you maybe can get more. I think, I think if you're Chicago, you say we've got a decent amount of holes. We're sticking with fields. We're going to trade the pick and we're going to trust that we can get enough other talent here. Okay. Well, that is a, that's a lot for a team that is just a couple of picks away from from that and hmm. yeah, you're moving down from one to four so yeah i mean so the bears wouldn't be moving that far you've got the bears taking uh so the texans would take a quarterback or the colts would take a quarterback the texans would probably take the second best quarterback the cardinals would take a player and then the Bears would have the pick that they want. So let's say they like Anderson and Carter the same amount. They have whoever's left. Yeah, I mean, that well, that works for if you're switching with the Colts. But do you really think that the Colts are going to give up like all that for a Bryce Young or, or someone like that? Um, they have a lot of chance. I think there's a chance they've missed the quarterback position so many times. You can't take a chance that someone trades up with Chicago and someone trades up with Arizona. Okay, and you're yeah. there or not having a quarterback again for 2024. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that, that works really well. And you know, if, uh, if, if someone is going to give up those pieces, like that, then, um, you know, that, that works. Um, and, you know, the Bears would get some extra picks this year and uh, would have some stuff for next year, which, you know, you don't think the Colts are going to be um, high-level uh, high level of team with just a, a rookie quarterback next year. So you're probably going to get a pretty good pick. That's probably smart. So uh, let's move on to number two. We talked about it just a second ago a little bit. Um, the Texans uh, are on the clock at number two. 
Who do you have at number two? Are they are they keeping that pick? Or are they trading it? The Texans can't afford to trade this pick. Okay. Now, we don't know who's going to be the coach. We don't know what kind of system they're looking to run. Uh-huh. I think in general, I somewhat lead towards Bryce Young. He reminds me more of, as a athlete, who Deshaun Watson was when he was in college. I, I want to be clear, as an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that he has the dual threat nature. I know he might be a little bit short, but I don't know that they care. Uh-huh. They have to replace that quarterback. Davis Mills is not the long-term answer. Okay. So what... Uh... It really, de- it really depends upon the, the the coach coming in, because if they get somebody who is a veteran head coach type, then you're looking at, um, you know, maybe taking that pick and and you know if it's a Sean Payton or or someone like that, with a with some veteran leadership, they're going to want to take that pick. They're going to want to put their name along with a. Uh, with that quarterback, you know, the way that uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees are. So, yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see the, the Texans. I don't think that there is, there's going to have to be a really big package um, for the Texans to move off this pick. And it would have to be someone and definitely in the top 10, because you're going to want to want that top 10 pick. And even the package after that is going to have to be um, pretty, pretty big as well. I think you, I think you keep this, and you draft a quarterback of the future once that coach is in place. I, I see that happening. Um, I like Davis Mills, and I think he's he's done a pretty good job there with what he's got. Um, I'll have to look at, at some of the of the players that are out there, but of course you need line players. You need offensive linemen. You need defensive linemen um because all Texans have been doing the last five years is kind of being a developmental team for everybody else and then trading those pieces away for draft picks or um this that or whatever um I think they need to start building at this point and figuring out what their future holds I think this is the year that they they put their foot in the ground and and start moving that makes sense. So we go with number three, the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals uh, moved on from uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive guru, as he's called. And uh, they have their quarterback in the future in place. He, he had a, uh, an extension this offseason. And so Kyler's going to be there. Kyler's a really great player. But he's streaky. He's he's got a really good front end, and what they need is a new coach to stretch into a full eighteen game season, um, where you're utilizing Kyler Murray all the way through, and he stays healthy, and you're not relying on him only for running, for passing, for scoring the football. You need a all around. Uh, you need a balanced offense, and I think that the Cardinals uh, move down with this pick. I think they. I think this is where the easiest pickings is when if you want if you have a lower team that wants to move up, the number three pick is um, is where I think people are are circling. Yeah, this is the one that we can we can trade for because I think the Cardinals need a lot of defensive help and. Um, I think they need to go out there and get a, uh, a pass rusher because J.J. Watt's retiring and Zach Allen is a header for free agency So after a five-and-a-half sack season. So I think they definitely need someone to pressure the quarterback. And I don't know if you get that at number three. You could probably pick that up later uh, later when you trade with somebody else. What do you think? I think this is a great trade back spot as well. I think it really is just a question of 
okay, who and where? So, if the Colts did not trade up earlier, you could see them doing uh, a little bit of what the Bears did uh, back when they drafted Trubisky, where they traded up the one spot to basically be like, hey, don't let anyone else jump us, but we're going to give you a little bit back. Yeah. Um, You could also see, you know, I think Seattle liked what they had from Geno this year, but it also started off a lot better than it ended. Seattle could be in discussion to move up, but I don't think that Arizona wants to trade down to Seattle and let Seattle take a quarterback. That would not be bright for them. Yeah. Um, What do the Raiders want to do? You know, they've already said they're moving on from Derek Carr. They're down at pick seven. I know Derek does not want to hear about the Raiders (laughs) trading up to the top three, uh, especially with potentially a player like Will Levis or CJ Stroud still available. Um. The other team is the Panthers. You know, what? what's happening with the Panthers? They keep swinging at quarterbacks. I liked what they had at Darnold at the end of the year, but now you have a new staff again. Yeah. So do they like what they have in Sam Darnold? Do they want a fresh start? It's awkward. I think in general, if you're Arizona, you're calling everyone, seeing what they're interested in, and trying to get this to go to the highest bidder. I mean, even if you went all the way down, let's say to 11 with the Titans, you know, they had Malik Willis. It did not look good. <laughs> they went and got Josh Jobs off of a practice squad and played him in critical playoff, uh, like games to get into the postseason. That doesn't bode well. Um, plus, Ryan Tannehill. Doesn't look as good as he used to. So, Arizona's trading down. It's just a matter of who. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to agree with you. I'm going to toss the Colts over to you. What uh, what do you think the Colts are going to do? I mean, we talked about them a little bit earlier, but what do you think they're doing at four if nothing else happens? So, if everything is static above them, they're getting a quarterback. Yeah. I struggle because I think Bryce Young is not the quarterback they would want. When you think about quarterbacks that they've gone after in free agency, it's more of the size. Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. They want the big guy. Yeah. And maybe not even the mobile guy, but the big guy. Don't be surprised if Will Levis ends up here. I don't know what it is. I think Will Levis... Going from the Kentucky blue to the Indianapolis blue for the shoe just feels right. What do you think? I mean, you're probably right about that. I, uh, I'm i actually – I'm going to be kind of kooky here uh, a little bit. And I, uh, I think the Colts trade this pick. Um, I think that – I think something's I, – I, I don't think the above them is going to stay static. Um I think we both agreed upon that. Um, I just, I don't think that the Colts are going to make the, the mega splash here at quarterback. Um, looking at a kind of a list here, we have Bryce Young, we have CJ Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson from Florida. We haven't talked about uh, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Loved him. I'm not sure that he would do well in uh, in that type of offense. Uh, Cameron Ward out of Washington State, Will Levis out of Kentucky, Jaron Hall out of BYU. I don't think you can take a BYU quarterback after Zach Wilson. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, out of UCLA, which I, I saw some of his games and, and liked him pretty well. Um, yeah, honestly, I think they trade down. I think they, they can go incremental a little bit and uh and then pick up a quarterback in the uh first 15 picks so i think that they would go for a lesser guy um not one of the top three quarterbacks and pick up an extra first round pick, pick up a couple of extra second round picks, something like that, where 
they are able to get both a quarterback that they like and a an offensive lineman, a guard or something like that, so they can run the ball again. Um, something like that, where they pick up more than just that one piece. Because I think that whomever's going to be back there is going to be Peyton Manning, 1998. Uh, just going to get lit up a bunch and throw a lot of interceptions. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know if that's best for a quarterback like a C.J. Stroud or something like that. So I think that they moved down and um, I, think they, I think they moved down and pick up a couple extra picks so they can build more than just that quarterback room. I'll add one thing to that, Derek. Okay. I think that if they decide to move on from Chris Ballard, that I totally believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They He's been the GM there since 2017. Mm-hmm. He had Pagano for a year. He had, he had hired Reich, which was a bit of a messiness because uh, if you remember, that was originally supposed to be Josh McDaniels, and then he pulled That's out. That's very true, yeah. And he's had all this quarterback nonsense. I think Ballard just wants to be able to say, look, I did something right. Yeah. And it's tough. It's very tough. Um, Personally, if they could trade down to about 10, where I see some of the top tackles going in this class, would be perfect for the Colts. I think their offensive line is way more of an issue than anyone who they've had at quarterback the last couple of years. That's that's true. That's the 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 hundred thousand dollar question right there is who's going to protect and can they run the ball again? Can I put on my Homer hat for just a moment? Homer. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm I'm scrolling through a, a a picture list of the top twenty quarterbacks coming out of college. I love Max Duggan. I would love to see him in a a an offense like like if you wanted to if you wanted to trade down and like in the third round pick up Max. He has he has just been such an underdog. I think he could be the next Red Rocket and uh, at a TCU and just do something with uh, with with nothing. I really think. Uh, I, once again, Homer hat on, y'all just don't even uh, put up with me. But I could see a, a Russell Wilson type where it's third round pick, fourth round pick. Um, you know, maybe even the very last pick in the draft comes and is a starting quarterback for the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. I know you'd love that, Derek. I'm, yeah, I really I'm... would. I, yeah. And so we uh, we finished off our, our top five here with the uh, the very controversial pick of the Seahawks because uh, it comes from the Denver Broncos. Uh, so uh, I have the the Seahawks trading this pick. This is the most obvious um, trade pick in the top five that I can see because they're a playoff team and. They have their own pick at twenty, so they can they can ask for a bounty, and 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 still not be worried about oh we don't have a quarterback oh we don't have a receiver oh we don't have you know a defensive player blah 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 they they I mean this is kind of playing with house money to me so if there's going to be a trade and it's the most obvious glaring one. In the uh, even in the top seven or eight, I have the Seahawks trading this pick to someone else just so I can pick up more picks and build that roster to win a first round playoff series, a playoff game versus uh, some of the better teams. They're in a tough division with the Niners, with well, I said the Rams should be should be better. Sean McVay is coming back. Um, who knows what the Cardinals are going to do? Um, Kyler Murray is there, and I think that he's a very special player. So 
you know, we, we are looking at a, a division that could be tough if the pieces are right. Uh, what say you, Caleb? Where are you at with the Seahawks pit? I mean, they've got some wiggle room here. I I really think that the name that I keep seeing attached to them is an edge rusher. They haven't yeah. really been great off the edge in a long time. Uh, Miles Murphy is the name I keep seeing there as like the second edge off the board. Yeah. If they can trade down and get an edge that they still like, fine. But let's face it. When was the last time Seattle was picking the top five? Like this feels so odd in part because no one saw this coming for them or from well, maybe from their own, but not from Denver's pick. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent on, on that one. What if, what if it's eight, they're at five and everything stayed static above them and the Texans and the Colts have taken a quarterback and you can get the third best quarterback out of this, uh, out of this, this college, this, this draft. Do you even look at quarterbacks at this position? Um, if, or, you know, what if, uh, what if, the, what if you get the second best quarterback? What if the, the, the Colts go somewhere else and, or someone trades up? And gets the, the the second best edge rusher, and the the Seahawks are sitting there at a CJ Stroud or a Hendon Hooker or something like that. Do you look at quarterbacks? I mean, I think you always look at any position on the board. It's foolish not to. You can't just sit here and say, "Gino's our guy. We're going to be fine." You know why? The guy behind him is Drew Locke. Like. At some point, positional depth matters. Yeah. And being able to say, you know what? We can take a CJ Stroud and he doesn't have to play for a year. Let's get Gino on a one year contract extension before that. And let's move forward. I, I don't think there's okay. anything wrong with it. No, I, uh, I, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, you know, it's always fun to speculate. And of course, the quarterback is a, is the big face of the franchise and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's fun to to talk about that. Uh, so we've talked about the far future. Let's talk about the upcoming future, and that's this coming weekend when we have the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We're gonna go. To, we're gonna take each of the four games game by game and uh pick our uh pick our games here so uh the jaguars at the chiefs the jaguars are going to arrowhead stadium Uh, the chiefs are favored by eight and a half points and the over under for this game is 53 now the last game was what 61 points uh scored within the chargers and the the chiefs so, Caleb, where are you at with the, the Jaguars and Chiefs? How do you feel about this game? I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I'm going to just throw it out there. I know we haven't done this in a while, but Derek, my X factor for this game is Travis Etienne. Okay. How much are the Jaguars able to run for a second down, have seven, eight-minute drives, Keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline and then execute in the red zone. Yeah. You're not winning this game with Trevor Lawrence throwing picks and with Riley Patterson kicking field goals. Yeah. Not that those are bad, but at at the end, you know, they spent a first round pick on him. He's got to show up. He's got to deliver. And this is the time to do it especially because I think it might be easier to run with the Chiefs than it is to pass on the Chiefs. That's probably true. Um, If I were taking the line, I actually think I'm going to go ahead and take the Jags to cover the eight and a half. Uh I think that it's going to be a relatively close game. Give me something like 
Chiefs 24, Jaguars 17. Oh. Yeah, because that would be within that eight, eight and a half uh, margin. Okay. Um, well, that you make some very good points, Caleb, and I, I hate when you do that because you make me feel dumb. Um, I In this game, I would easily take the over as I think that there's going to be some points scored. Um, and I want, I, I'm going to jump on your bandwagon just a little bit in so much as saying, I think this game is going to be closer than, I, th- I think the Jaguars cover the number because the Chiefs are known for racking up a, a pretty sizable lead and then using the scoreboard as a form of defense. So um, if you have a 21 point lead and then you uh, you you back off your defense a little bit and you make them take time off the clock like hey you you can you can run um, you can put together four yard passes or six yard passes but you're gonna have to put together a 10 12 15 play drive and then you're gonna score and you're gonna use up the clock and then we're just gonna come back and not use up a whole bunch of time but probably kick a field goal. And that's what the Chiefs do is they uh, and then so at the end, the Chiefs win handily and the, the the game is not as close as the scoreboard appears. But that last, uh, you know, the the touchdown, they to move it from a 14 point game to a seven point game with like 48 seconds left. And the Chiefs like, OK, whatever you you know, we're still going to win this game. They don't care about the better. So, yeah, I, I'm going to, to uh, for you, I think that the, the Jaguars cover. But for me, I'm going to take the over in the game, uh, over 53. Is there anyone specific that you're keeping your eye on in this game? Oh, Kelsey. Um, I think that, I think that uh, Kelsey is going to do uh, many great things in this game. And uh, he is just going to be the reason they're going to they're going to be able to dink and dunk when, wherever they want um, on the uh, on the Jaguars, because I think the Jags are going to try to get Patrick Mahomes unstable and they're going to try to get him flustered and rush him a lot. And he is just going to use his safety valve to uh, to pick up six yards, seven yards at a time without worrying about it. I think that, that Kelsey's going to have seven or eight catches, maybe even 10 um, for 70, 80 yards, just because they uh, that he's just a safety valve in the middle of the field. I mean, does anyone really stop Travis Kelsey? Like, that's, that's the question we all want to know. Uh, and the answer is no. No, no. Uh, he, yeah. He's gonna do just fine. Uh when they played earlier this year, he had six for eighty one and a TD. Yeah. Sounds about right. Very Travis Kelsey-ish. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more in this postseason game. Yeah, I I don't see I don't see Kelsey going for a bunch of yards after a catch, but I see him catching uh, quite a few passes. Uh, throughout the game, I think he's going to be involved, and I think that he's going to um, be a focal point of what they're trying to do and trying to get the the Jaguars off their feet a little bit. Uh, shall we move on to the NFC East battle in this particular playoffs? Yes. Okay, we have the Giants headed over to the city of brotherly love. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are favored by seven and a half, and the over-under is 48 for this game. Um, you know, so I want to go ahead and jump on this one first. Um, the Eagles really impressed me. Daniel Jones really impressed me uh, this last week. I think that Brian Dable has this team playing in the right direction. Saquon Barkley is... A uh, is is a focal point once again. Is, is is someone that you have to account for once again, um, like he was even just a couple of years back. Uh, and Daniel Jones is probably going to uh, to stay the the Giants' quarterback uh, after this season. 
surprising me so very much. For me, um, I think with the rest that the Philadelphia Eagles got when they didn't play anybody this uh, this week, like when they had that first round bye, that was the best thing for the Eagles. If Jalen Hurts is playing at 85% or above with that shoulder um, and some of those uh, Knicks that have uh, have caught up in an 18-game season um, are a little, feeling a little bit better for the Eagles, I think the Eagles controlled this game um, with the on the ground and don't let uh, the Giants have too many possessions. I think they limit the possessions that the uh, the Giants have. And I'm going to go under the 48 in this game. And uh, but I have the Eagles covering the seven and a half because that's a pretty big number when uh, in in the playoffs seven and a half. So I have the under the 48. But the uh, the Giants covering. Uh, Caleb, where are you at? I also am going to have the Eagles cover the seven and a half. Uh, Jalen Hurts is not on the injury report at all. He is fully healthy. That makes a huge difference before this game. You know, he kind of got a tune-up a couple weeks ago against the Giants. Uh-huh. Now he gets to see them again. We all know that when the Eagles are trying to bring their A game, this should be this should be a crushing game. I also, in general, I wasn't a big fan of the Giants or Vikings. Uh, all of my, <clears throat> excuse me, all of the metrics that I like to look at and use put both of them as way overachieving their record. You can overachieve your record, especially when you're facing another team that's like that, but when you're playing the Eagles, I mean, they did beat you 48 to 22 the last time we saw Jalen Hurts fully healthy. I mean, sure. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, pump the brakes on that a little bit. I'm going to go with the over as well. I'm going to go 42 21 Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Wow. Okay. Hosting the so NFC Championship game. That is, uh, that's fun. See, I have the under. I think that the, this game is going to have fewer possessions. But, uh, you know, more power to you on that one. Um, let's talk about what, uh, what should probably be the best game out of the AFC and should be the AFC uh, championship game. And that's going to be the Bengals going to the Bills. And this game has the Bills favored by four and a half and the over under at 48 and a half. Uh, Caleb, we throw to you first. For the Bengals at the Bills, what do you think? I'm puzzled. Um, I really wish, you know, I, I've got to say, you know, DeMar Hamlin with his recovery and everything, being out of the hospital and up in Buffalo, I'm really happy with how that has turned out for that young man. Obviously, I wish I knew how this game went a couple weeks ago. Um but they canceled it for bigger and better reasons. Um, you're giving me the bills at home. I'm going to take the bills. It's going to be tough. I think Josh Allen's the X factor. How many mistakes does Josh Allen make? How many times does he get himself hit? I don't know. I just think it could be the whoever has the ball last. But while I have the bills winning... I'm going to say the Bengals will cover. Uh, give me a, a high-scoring affair. Bills 31, Bengals 27. So Bengals cover, and it's definitely the over. Um, it just feels... I think that there's just so much riding with the Bills right now, uh, with their love for the team, with their love for DeMar. Um, if he shows up in like a the owner's box or something like... That that fan base is going to be raucous. So let's go Bills Mafia. So uh, that's some, some bad news for you, uh, Caleb. And and I I hate to say this, um, but there's probably after this game going to be a new second best quarterback in the AFC. Um, Josh Allen takes a, a step aside, and Joe Burrow becomes 
the second best quarterback in the AFC right behind Patrick Mahomes. As I think the Bengals are going to win this game outright and head to the AFC championship game. Um, Yes, I know this game is at home for the Bills. I know there's going to be uh, a lot of emotion and stuff like that. And yeah, it's going to be a high-scoring affair. But the Bengals just have so much firepower um, going. And I think that the the Bengals win outright. Um, I have, I'll say, four and a half. The uh, Bengals plus four and a half to... uh, on that, and I'll take the over 48 and a half. Um, I know there's some uh, some injuries with the uh, with the Bengals, but uh, I I just think that Joe Burrow is solidifying himself after that Super Bowl uh, run. That uh, that he's 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 that guy. So uh, I have the Bengals. He is him. Uh, I believe is the the new phrase, but. Uh... I, I told way better than calling him Joe Burr or whatever nickname. Yeah, let's let's drop uh, let's drop all those all those stupid nicknames. Um, uh, I will say, if the Bengals were to win, it will just make me one. The only thing that will make me happy is that it's not a neutral site AFC Championship game. That's that's also very true. I do not want a neutral site AFC Championship game after. Um, the the Chiefs did what they did. Um, they had a great, really great season and deserved the number one seed. Um, so the last game of our final four games of the NFL uh, with our elite eight teams is the Dallas Cowboys headed to San Fran. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are favored by three and a half. And the over-under for the game is 46 and a half. Um, For me, I am going to take the under. I think this is going to be a defensive battle. And I think that the outcome looks pretty to me. And uh, the 49ers cover the three and a half. So under and then the 49ers minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm going to say, again, my X factor for this game Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, you know, run the ball, stay in good down in distance. Don't let Micah Parsons and all those guys tee off on you. Even so the skill level between the 49ers offensive line and the Buccaneers offensive line is night and day. It's, it's so different. It's like, you know, going and getting a burger at McDonald's and going and getting one at, insert expensive (laughs) restaurant. Like I don't have a good example there, but like having a burger from McDonald's or a steak from Longhorn, like it's, it's very night and day difference. I would say Charleston's, but people around that are not Oklahoma based are not going to get Charleston. So um, now that I've uh, butchered that example, uh, I do want to say that I think the 49ers are actually going to come out and crush this one a little bit. I'm going to give them a pick six in this game as I think Dak at least opened some questions about whether or not he should actually be the quarterback of the future since he did lead the NFL in interceptions despite missing four games. I'm going to go with 49ers 35, Cowboys 14 as the 49ers crush it and I'm taking the over one more time. Apparently, I'm taking the over, except for the Jags Chiefs. Yeah, and I think I think you are. So, uh, I, my impact player of the game um, is going to be the referees. So, and what I mean by that is they have to swallow the swallow the whistle on roughing the passer penalties. I have seen far too many that are just a defensive lineman making a play, um, and this is be no different. Micah Parsons is probably going to get a couple of sacks on Brock Purdy. Bosa is going to get nine or ten sacks on Dak Prescott. Okay, that was a little bit of of over-exaggeration. But when you see these guys 
and you have quarterbacks that are scramblers slash runners slash movement guys. There is not these these you cannot tackle these guys perfectly where you have them and they can't like you have to grab a wrist basically so their arm can't move because a lot of times these quarterbacks are going to throw the ball away when you when they're getting sacked. What you're trying to do is you're trying to sack a quarterback and there's going to be times that you not fling but turn your body uh turn a quarterback's body when you're doing it or you might land on them with your weight a little bit. And I get it. You're trying to protect the quarterbacks. This is going to be a defensive battle. Um, it's going to be a lot of running the ball. Um, and so the referees are going to have to swallow the whistle a little bit when it comes to that pass rush on both of the quarterbacks. Um, but at the end, I think that the role players, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, I Trent Williams, frankly, um, I think all these other guys that are not the quarterback are going to make the difference in this game. And then Kyle Shanahan, I think, calls a better game than Kellen Moore. So I have the Niners uh, whooping up on the uh, on the Cowboys. This uh, I think the defense has come to play. So just curious, Derek, <coughs> strategically, would you line Micah Parsons up all over the field again against San Francisco, or would you just say, "Look, if I'm if I'm going to have him rush the passer, I don't want it to be against Trent Williams." I think you have to move him. Um, because Trent Williams is going to win that 99 times out of 100. Um, you're going to have to do something very special because that dude is a, a top 10 player in the league right now. And um, you're Micah Parsons, and you're a younger guy, but Trent Williams has been around a while, and he knows all the tricks. So you're going to have to move him to the other side, or you're going to have to to stunt a little bit um, but even that middle of the middle of the uh, offensive line isn't uh, isn't bad. I just think you're going to have to pick pick your shots and play man coverage once in a while and let the and 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 blitz and overload the box. Fair. I just was curious because I wouldn't want to send him at Trent Williams, but I also know that you lose some of what is magical when you send them at the same side every time. Yeah. And if you, if you're, if, if you have that where you're just sending him over and over, um, there's going to be times that, because I've seen the play that I have it in my head where they just toss it over the top of that rusher where it's like, Oh, I won and uh, I beat Trent Williams and I'm going to go sack the quarterback and in this split second, he just goes right over their head or goes right around them. And it's like, oh, no, Trent Williams let you pass because it's a bubble screen or it's a, a run play where you're not at all and you're completely out of position. And that just they're going to make Micah Parsons look silly if they if they consistently Put him on that side. I think he does best when you don't know where he's coming from. And I think he does best when you don't know if he's coming at all because he drops into coverage once in a while and, you know, may double team uh, an underneath on Kittle or something like that. So I think Marco Parsons needs to line up a little bit of everywhere just so you can confuse Brock Purdy a little bit. Fair, fair, fair. So that wraps up our uh, our podcast for today. We appreciate everyone who listens. If you want to connect with us, go ahead and check out our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk, where all of our links, you check out my Twitter and Caleb's Twitter and the podcast Twitter. Uh, go ahead, if you have the opportunity on your podcasting platform, give, go ahead and give us a five-star review if you can. And if you give us a review that's got some text on it and that text is 
family friendly, we'd be happy to read it on air and uh, say thank you to you uh, both via Twitter and on the podcast. So on behalf of your host, Derek Rusnick, our founder, Caleb, I hope everyone has a wonderful day and do me a favor, say hi to someone you don't know today. Bye, guys. Bye.